Welcome into the 16th episode of College Sports Today, right here on WLRZ 99.3 FM. I am Hamilton Neal, joining you as always to close out the week. we got the Prams leading us into another huge episode as always. We have so much to go over, so much to go into per usual. We hope everyone's doing well out there. Hope everyone's having a great finish to their week. We're moving closer to the end of the month of February. We're getting closer to the month of March. We got winter sports winding down a little bit. We got spring sports coming up. You'll really see that in our expanded Lenore Ryan sports segment. We'll talk men's and women's lacrosse just like we did last week. We'll talk men's and women's golf. Those two teams have started their spring season off strong. We'll also talk men's and women's basketball as usual. Both of those teams have been in action trying to make a strong push at the end of the 2021-22 season. That's coming up in segment number one. In segment two, we'll talk some college basketball news with the 2022 Phil Knight Legacy Tournaments and the 2022 Phil Knight Invitational Tournaments. This is going on down in Portland next fall during next college basketball season. Some of the best programs in the country, some of the top teams around the nation in NCAA men's and NCAA women's basketball are going to be in action there. We'll go into all the details coming up in our second segment, and we'll wrap up with our third segment. As always, we'll be talking men's and women's college basketball with our top five games from the last week. We've had tons of great games over the last seven days. You're not going to want to miss that segment. But again, we're going to get things started with Lenore Ryan Sports and the Lenore Ryan men's basketball team. They improved to 5-1 and one in their past six games with an 85-70 victory at Virginia Wise on Wednesday night. Lenoran used a 13-0 second half run to pull away from the Cavaliers as TJ Nesmith recorded his first career double-double. The Bears complete the season series sweep of Virginia Wise. Nesmith became the first Bear to post a double-double on the season. The last Bear to produce a double-double was RJ Gunn against Queens on March 4th of 2020. Both of LR's wins over Virginia Wise this year have come by double digits, and all five of the Bears' head-to-head wins over the Cavs have been by more than 12. Nas Tyson had a tremendous all-around game with 16 points, 7 rebounds, and 7 assists. Kevin Kangu had 11 points and a career-high 9 dimes, plus 4 steals. Malik Lagania came off the bench to go 4-4 from the field in his 15 minutes of action. LR led the battle on the boards with 31 rebounds compared to 29 from Wise. The Bears shot 49.2% from the field and 42% from 3 as they connected on 12 three-pointers as a team. With the win, LR improves to 9-15 overall, 8-13 in South Atlanta Conference play. They will next take the floor Saturday versus Mars Hill at 4 p.m. The Lenoran women's basketball team rallied from 10 points down in the final quarter to force overtime, but the Bears' potential game-tying three fell short as the Bears fell 75-72 at Virginia Wise on Wednesday. Brandy Hudson and Maddie Dillinger led the scoring effort with 21 and 18 points, respectively. The Cavaliers have now won four straight against the Bears after LR won the first two of the series. The two games this year were decided by a total of five points. The Cavs beat the Bears in Hickory by two earlier this year. With the lost Bears fall to 8-14 overall, 7-13 in South Atlanta Conference play, they will next take the floor Saturday versus Mars Hill at 2 p.m. The number 8 Lenoran men's lacrosse team earned their second victory of the season back on Monday afternoon with a 13-8 win over Florida Tech at Moretz Stadium. Torn Eccleston was the offensive star for the Bears, recording seven points on five goals and a pair of assists. Will Kanata had a pair of goals and an assist, and Miles Moffitt had a goal and two assists. Giovinazio netted a pair of goals, and Victor Powell scored his first goal of the season. James Brugger, Nate Ashley, and Powell all finished with two caused turnovers as LR forced 12 on the afternoon. Noah Johnson had 11 saves for the Bears. Bryce Reese scored the first goal of the game, and Florida Tech answered 46 seconds later, 
but LR then went on a 5-1 scoring spur after that and did not look back. Two of Eccleston's goals came with the man advantage as each team went 2-for-6 with the extra man. Each squad had 27 ground balls and 18 turnovers, but LR had the advantage in clears. The Bears were 18-of-20, while Florida Tech went just 14-for-19. The Bears improved to 5-and-2 all-time against Florida Tech. This is the second time these two teams have met on Valentine's Day in Hickory, with Florida Tech winning the 2015 matchup. The last Bear to score five goals in a game was Will Kanata against Wingate in April of 2021. The Bears are now 89-3 all-time when leading after three quarters and have won 42 straight during that span. The Bears will next travel to Savannah, Georgia for an NCAA tournament rematch with third-ranked Tampa on Sunday. Faceoff is set for 11 a.m. Tiana Cyber tied a program record with 18 saves, including saving the potential game-tying goal with just 42 seconds left as the LR women's lacrosse team opened their season with an 8-7 victory over Lee. Emily Foxall, McKenna Philly, Caitlin Cavanaugh, and Jolan Mori each had two goals for the Bears in the win. Seibin joins Inus Fluick as the only goalies in program history with 18 saves in a game. It has been nearly five years since Fluick accomplished that feat. With the loss, Lee moves to 7-2 in their last nine games against South Atlanta Conference opponents. This was the 99th win in program history. Wednesday, the Bears traveled to Greenwood, South Carolina to face off with Lander. After falling behind 6-2 entering the second half, the Bears eventually fell by a score of 13-7. Susie Smith and Caitlin Cavanaugh had two goals each for the Bears. Chloe Christensen, McKenna Philly, and Jalon Mori added one goal each as well. Bears are 1-1 one one overall. Next contest coming up Friday, February 25th. They'll host number 8 Rollins at 4 p.m. at Moret Stadium. The Lenoirine men's golf team opened the spring portion of their season at the spring kickoff intercollegiate hosted by Lincoln Memorial University. The Bears claimed a 19th place finish with a total score of 939. Dawson Walker had a strong tournament for the Bears, finishing 17th overall out of 112 golfers with a three-round score of 225. Walker shot a 76 in the first round and followed that up with a 75 in round two and a 74 in round three. In the final round, he had four birdies on the second, eighth, twelfth, and sixteenth holes. The second best finish from an LR golfer came courtesy of Matty Rebold, who finished 47th with a total score of 231. He fired rounds of 79, 77, and 75 and led all LR golfers with five birdies in the final round. Raybald birdied back-to-back holes on 8 and 9 and then again on 11 and 12 before finishing with a birdie on the 16th. Tyler Hashmi, Liam Waldron, and Georg Hartman rounded out the top 5-4 LR. North Georgia led the 22-team field with a total score of 884. In the opening round of the spring season, the Lenoran women's golf team took home a fourth-place finish in a 17-team field at the spring kickoff intercollegiate hosted by Lincoln Memorial University. Individually, Megan Robb claimed another top-10 finish as the senior tied for seventh among 89 golfers. For the tournament, Robb sank six birdies, including three in the second round. Robb overcame a first-round 80 to shoot a 75 and 76 in the final two rounds. The tournament was halted on Monday due to darkness and had to be concluded on Tuesday morning before round three. Robb still managed to finish the second round with five birdies on holes 5, 10, and 16. This is Robb's second top-10 finish in just five tournaments on the season. Limestone won the tournament by dominating 34 strokes, and the Saints' Ebba Hellman was the individual medalist with a total score of 221. Wingate finished second with a total score of 931, and Lander was third, three shots ahead of LR. The Bears in West Georgia each shot 952 as a team as well. Tons of stuff going on here at Lenorine. We went over so much information there. I want to go back first and talk about the LR men's and women's basketball teams as we usually do. Men's squad. Great victory against Virginia Wise there on Wednesday night, 85-70. This Virginia Wise team 
is at the bottom of the South Atlanta Conference. They have been all season long. So no surprise to see LR come out and get this win in the fashion that they did. Plus 15, great performances all around from Nas Tyson, 16, 7, and 7. Kevin Kangu had 11 points. We mentioned TJ Nesmith had his first career double-double. LR's ability to shoot the basketball from the floor as consistently as they did at 49.2%. That's what allowed them to come out and win this game. Nas Tyson, 16.7 rebounds, 7 assists. Super complete game for him. Same thing for Kevin Kangu as well. 11 points, career high, 9 assists, and 4 steals as well. Malik Lugani has really been an X factor for them this season. 4-4 from the field in just 15 minutes of action. LR starting to play very cohesive basketball on the offensive end and also on the defensive end as well. But offensively, they've made so many improvements since the start of this season and really just over the last 4 or 5 games. They've been so much better on that side of the ball, and they're giving themselves a much better chance to win. They need to take that momentum from the win against UVA-wise and going against Mars Hill Saturday with that same type of energy, with that same type of consistency. Again, they're at 9-15 overall, 8-13 and at South Atlantic Conference play, chance to get their 10th win of the season and really find some momentum going into the South Atlantic Conference tournament, last couple of games of the regular season. Going to be very important as well because they're seeding in the SAC tournament not going to be too great at this point. If they can get a couple more wins, they could rise those standings a little bit and maybe find a better matchup early in that tournament. Same thing for the LR women's basketball team. Just fell short there against Virginia Wise in overtime. 0-3 in overtime games this year. LR has not played as well in that extra frame. However, Brandy Hudson, Maddie Dillinger, 21-18 and 18 points respectively here in this contest. We know what we're going to get from Brandy Hudson. She has consistently led this team in scoring, has been such a threat on the glass as well, offensively and defensively rebounding. Great bounce back performance as well for Maddie Dillinger with 18 points. We had not seen her as much a part of this offense recently in some of the other games. For her to come back, have this type of performance, definitely huge for LR. Against Marshall Saturday, have an opportunity to get their ninth win. They're 8-14 overall, 7-13 in the South Atlantic Conference. If they want to come out, win these last couple of games, they got to get to the line. But then when you get to the line, you got to knock down those free throws. LR, one of the best teams in the country in free throw percentage, 76.7. They're in the top 30 in free throw percentage on the season in NCAA D2 women's basketball. But in this game against Virginia Wise, only 61.1%. Second worst percentage of the season. So that's really one of the big keys coming in here against Mars Hill. Got to knock down the free throws. Got to find some consistent offense like they did here in this game. Go through Hudson, Emily Harmon, Maddie Dillinger, and they'll have a really great chance to win. Again, that's a 2 p.m. tip-off Saturday against Mars Hill. Myself and Anthony Brown will be on the call for that game. You can watch live at lrbears.com slash watch. Live stream it there. Come out to the game if you can. It's going to be a very, very important contest for LR. AB will be on play-by-play. I'll be on color for that game. Very excited to see if they can get to 9-14. and 14. They've been playing very well of late prior to this loss to Virginia-wise. Very, very important contest for them. The LR men's and women's lacrosse team is doing some good things right now as well. Men's LAX got a win there against Florida Tech. Back on Valentine's Day at Moret Stadium. The women's team 1-1 one one to start the year. They got a win against Lee to start. Then they fell in their second game of the season against Lander. Very good core. Tons of talent on this team. I think they're going to be just fine. But they got a huge test coming up Friday, February 25th against 8th-ranked Rollins. That's at 4 p.m. at Moret Stadium. Huge contest for LR in that one. And then the men's and women's golf teams getting things going as well. Doing some good things at the spring kickoff intercollegiate hosted by Lincoln Memorial. 19th place finish for the men's team. The women's team doing some good things as well. Fourth place finish for that squad. Megan Robb individually 
had a top 10 finish. She has brought it every single tournament for them. She's been so consistent throughout. We're going to be talking much, much more about the LR men's and women's golf teams coming up. We have tons to talk about with baseball and softball next week. We'll get back talking about those squads. Again, we'll talk swimming that wrapped up weightlifting, triathlon, all those things that I mentioned last week, we are going to get to. There's just so much going on here right now. We have to be selective in what we talk about and kind of what we want to focus on every single week. And this week, again, we talked men's and women's basketball. We talked men's and women's lacrosse as well as men's and women's golf. So that's all that we have going on at Lenore Ryan right now. That wraps up segment one. We're going to take our first break here on the show. Coming up in segment number two, we'll talk some college basketball news for the Phil Knight Legacy Tournaments and the Phil Knight Invitational Tournaments. That's on the other side of Ghost Hood. Stay a while. We'll hope you do just that. We'll be right back on College Sports Today on WLRZ and 99.3 FM. Again, that was Stay a While from Ghosthood, taking us into segment number two, where we're talking college basketball and some big college basketball news that has just come in over the last couple of days with the Phil Knight Legacy and Phil Knight Invitational Tournaments. These events will feature basketball blue bloods such as the Duke and North Carolina men's squads, as well as the UConn women's team. They will join Oregon State, Oregon, Portland, and Portland State in a 24-team men's and women's field to be played November 24th through 27th. The Legacy and Invitational Tournaments have eight men's and four women's teams each. This is the second Phil Knight-themed tournament of this scale in Portland. In 2017, the PK-80 tournament assembled many of college basketball's best programs for a three-day tournament that attracted more than 116,000 spectators. The Moda Center, Memorial Coliseum, and Chile Center will serve as venues for 32 tournament games. Action takes place on November 24th, Thanksgiving Day, Friday and Sunday, taking Saturday off for college football. ESPN, ESPN2, and ESPNU are the networks televising each game. The Men's Legacy Tournament features Duke, Florida, Gonzaga, Oregon State, Portland State, Purdue, Xavier, and West Virginia. The Women's Legacy Tournament features Duke, Iowa, Yukon, and Oregon State. The Men's Invitational Tournament field has Iowa State, Michigan State, North Carolina, Oregon, Portland, Yukon, Villanova, and Alabama as participants, and the Women's Invitational has Iowa State, North Carolina, Michigan State, and Oregon taking part. The men's teams play three games, one each on Thursday, Friday, and Sunday. The women's teams play two games with Invitational teams competing on Thursday and Sunday, Legacy teams playing on Friday and Sunday. The schedule includes 10 men's and women's games Thursday and Friday, and 12 on Sunday. Information for tournament and single-game tickets will be announced this spring or early summer. The Portland Trailblazers' Rip City Management manages the Legacy Tournament and ESPN Events The Invitational. Oregon State and Michigan State are the host schools. Scheduling won't take place until summer because organizers want to get a first look at the team's rosters for the 2022-2023 season. Again, really, really big event coming up here in college basketball next fall with the Phil Knight Legacy and Phil Knight Invitational Tournaments. With the Legacy Men and Women's Fields, tons of top programs throughout the country. You look at Duke, Gonzaga, West Virginia, Purdue, all in that men's field. The women's field just made up of four teams, 
all of them high-level, big-name programs, UConn, Oregon State, Iowa, and Duke. The Invitational Fields, also strong as well with teams like Michigan State, Oregon, North Carolina, etc. Really excited to see a Phil Knight-themed tournament coming back to college basketball. We mentioned in 2017, the PK-80 tournament was assembled. Duke, Florida, Texas were all part of that tournament. UConn and Oregon were playing there on the women's side. Really interested to see the matchups. The scheduling won't take place till the summer because the organizers want to get a look at the rosters for 2022-2023. They want to find the best possible matchups that will provide the best ticket sales and the best TV viewership. That's really what it comes down to. When you're looking at the legacy women's field in particular, I think what they're going to want to do is match up UConn and Iowa and Duke and Oregon State. And the reason I say that is because Last year in the NCAA tournament, the Sweet 16, we saw a matchup between UConn and Iowa, Paige Beckers versus Caitlin Clark. And anytime we have an opportunity to see two players of that caliber playing against each other, I think the TV viewership would go through the roof. I think the ticket sales would be right there, especially for a UConn-Iowa matchup with those two players. The two biggest names in women's college basketball are Paige Beckers and Caitlin Clark. They provide the most buzz, the most hype. So I definitely think UConn and Iowa is a likely matchup there in the legacy women's field. Duke-Oregon State would be a great matchup as well. Carol Lawson has that team back there with the Duke Blue Devils. Oregon State, obviously one of the best teams in the Pac-12, led by Scott Ruick, really great head coach. They have a ton of talent on that team. They're a top 25 caliber team. I think they will enter next season as a top 25 team. Same thing with Duke as well. So love the legacy women's field. Loaded across the board, the men's field, going to be exciting because you got Gonzaga, you got Duke. Purdue is a top-level program. They're a highly ranked team this season. West Virginia's always been pretty good. And then the invitational fields maybe won't get as much billing, but you have North Carolina, Michigan State, Oregon on the men's side of things, Villanova there as well. The invitational women's field, strong programs. Oregon, North Carolina, Michigan State, Iowa State is ranked sixth in the country right now in NCAA women's basketball. With that lineup, you have great matchups as well. I don't know at this point, again, who we're going to see matched up. I think it's more predictable with the Legacy Women's Tournament than the Invitational Women's Tournament. And the Invitational Men's Tournament, I think, is just as strong, maybe stronger than the Legacy Tournament. You look at Iowa State, Michigan State, North Carolina, Oregon, all of those programs. Very consistent, big names. With that, we're going to see some great matchups, some great basketball across the board in all four of these tournaments. Again, the men's tournaments have eight teams apiece. The women's fields have four teams each. So very excited to see all of this coming up again, November 24th through 27th. The Phil Knight Legacy and Phil Knight Invitational Tournaments. Games at the Moda Center, Memorial Coliseum, Chile Center. During that Thanksgiving week, Thanksgiving Day, we'll have some matchups again, as well as Friday and Sunday. No game Saturday because of college football. Again, really excited to see all the early season tournaments that we have coming up next season in men's and women's college basketball. These are the events that get people excited for the season early on. Because let's face it, you know, at that point in the year, we're still talking about college football. Everyone's kind of still in that football mindset. And when you got some big college basketball tournaments in the early season, that gets the juices flowing a little bit. That gets people excited about the season and the teams partaking in these events. So very, very excited to see another Phil Knight-themed tournament. Again, the PK-80 back in 17, a huge success. The Phil Knight Legacy and Invitational Tournaments coming up November 24th through 27th. Again, for more information on tournament and single-game tickets, wait until this spring or early summer for that. And again, the matchups should be announced around that time as well. So that's all that we got going on with news out of college basketball. We're going to take our final break here on the show. 
When we come back, we're going to continue talking college basketball with our NCAA men's and women's top five games of the week. We'll be talking Duke, Kentucky, UConn, and Maryland, all the top teams, all the top matchups. You're not going to want to miss it. That's on the other side of Alejandro Magana's Happy Times. Coming up next on College Sports Today on WLRZ 99.3 FM. We'll be right back. We are back here on the show now talking to college basketball with our men's and women's top five games of the week. Every single episode when we go into this segment, we have great matchups to talk about. We have games that are shaping the outlook of the NCAA tournament. We have games that are helping team seeding, that are hurting team seeding. And that's what we're talking about yet again here tonight. We're going to be talking about squads trying to just make their way into the tournament conversation. We're going to be talking about teams that are trying to improve their seeding after taking some losses. And we're going to start with our men's top five games of the week. Go back to Saturday, February 12th, where we had Memphis. They scored a huge upset win over number 14, Houston, 69-59. to Landers Nolly led the way with 20 points for the Tigers. Jalen Duran had 14 points and 11 rebounds. DeAndre Williams and Lester Canonias both at 13 points apiece. For Houston, Taze Moore and Fabian White Jr. had 15 points each. Jamal Shedd had 12 as well. Houston struggled to shoot the three-pointer here in this game. They went only 7 of 23 for 30% from behind the arc. Memphis, on the other hand, went 9 of 22 for 40% from three. Memphis now 15 and 8 on the season with that win, making a tournament push. To Tuesday, February 15th, number 10 Villanova defeated number 8 Providence in a huge Big East battle, 89-84. to For Villanova, Colin Gillespie had 33 points a game high. Justin Moore had 19 points and 10 rebounds. Brandon Slater added 13 as well. For Providence, Nate Watson had 20 points to lead the charge. Jared Bynum had 18. A.J. Reeves had 16. And Al Durham had 13. Both teams shot north of 45% from the floor in this game. Villanova was 47% from 3, 11 of 23 there. Providence was 5 of 23 from behind the arc for only 21.7%. That was the biggest difference in that contest. That is a potential Big East title game preview. We'll talk more about that one in a minute. Also that day, ninth-ranked Duke defeated Wake Forest 76-74. Big scare there for the Blue Devils, but they come out with the win. Wendell Moore and Mark Williams both had 16 points to lead the Blue Devils. Paula Bancaro had 13. A.J. Griffin had 12. Jeremy Roach was also in double figures with 10. For Wake Forest, Jake LaRavia had 19 points. Alondis Williams had 18. And Dallas Walton had 17. Number 16, Tennessee, took down number 4, Kentucky, 76-63. For Tennessee, Santiago Vescovi had 18 points to lead the way. Kennedy Chandler had 17. Sakai Ziegler and John Fulkerson had 14 as well. For Kentucky, Oscar Shibway had a double-double of 13 points and 15 rebounds. Jacob Toppin and Davion Mintz were also in double figures with 11 points. And finally, on Wednesday, February 16th, number 11 Texas Tech took down number 7 Baylor by a score of 83-73. to For Texas Tech, Kevin O'Banner had a double-double, 23 points and 13 rebounds. Bryson Williams had 17, Adonis Arms had 15, Terrence Shannon Jr. was also in double figures with 14. James Akinjo led Baylor in scoring with 18 points for the game, Adam Flagler had 14, and Matthew Mayer had 13 as well. 
Really, really tough loss that was there for the number seven Baylor Bears. Losing to Texas Tech 83-73, really up and down contested Big 12 matchup. When we talk about these Big 12 games, we see a lot of points, high scoring, high intensity. This was a game that Baylor really struggled and threw out on the offensive end. They got it going a little bit there late, but it was just too little too late for them to get that win. Credit to Texas Tech. Credit to Mark Adams for putting together an outstanding game plan to shut down this Baylor offense. Baylor is one of the higher scoring teams in the country. They are high level on the offensive side of the ball. But again, give credit to Texas Tech, their ability to score the basketball. 83 points here in this game, led by O'Banner, Bryson Williams, Adonis Arms. There are a lot of underrated kind of blue collar kind of players on this team, but they make it work. They're very cohesive as a squad and they rebound the basketball consistently. 41-30, they out-rebounded Baylor here in this game. In addition to that, they're 17th in scoring defense. And what's the one thing that gives Texas Tech their identity as a basketball team? What makes them difficult to play against? It's their defense. Top 20 in scoring defense this year, going back to when they had Chris Beard and his teams, they were elite on the defensive side of the basketball, and they're continuing that with Mark Adams. They hired him from within. And guys, hiring from within is not always a bad thing. I think a lot of programs, whether it's college or professional, they often feel that urge to go outside, find someone outside the program, outside the team to kind of make things work, to find that next answer for them. Mark Adams already knew this program inside and out, and he's putting his own stamp on this squad. His identity and his fingerprints are all over this team right now. I would tab him at this point as the favorite or maybe the co-favorite for National Coach of the Year in college basketball. He and Ed Cooley from Providence have done the best coaching jobs probably of anyone in the nation. Because coming into the season, nobody was talking about Texas Tech. Nobody was talking about Providence. And those two teams are ranked 11th and 8th in the country right now. Ed Cooley has done a tremendous job with that Providence squad. Nobody expected anything from them. I think we expected some things from Texas Tech, but not this much. Both teams have really been looked at as overachieving. And they really have an opportunity to make a run in the tournament. Texas Tech is a dangerous threat to make a deep run. Same thing with Providence as well. Even though they fell in that game to Villanova, it was just by a couple points. This team, still one of the best in the country. Nate Watson, A.J. Reeves, Al Durham, that trio is one of the most dangerous in the entire nation. Jared Bynum as well. Very, very versatile player. He's been bringing it for them as well. But that Villanova squad, led by Colin Gillespie, National Player of the Year contender. One of the favorites for National Player of the Year right now. I wouldn't say he's the leader in the clubhouse, but he is a name to watch because he plays for this Villanova program and put the team on his back in this game. 33 points a game high. Justin Moore brought it as well with 19 and 10. But this is a Villanova team that often needs Colin Gillespie to have games like this to have a great, great chance to win. This is not a great squad outside of Gillespie, Justin Moore, Brandon Slater. You have some good players complimenting. But this Villanova team, if they're going to do anything in the NCAA tournament, they're going to make a deep run, try to make a push. It's going to be on the back and on the shoulders of Colin Gillespie. And he is just fine with that. He can put the team on his back any night. Justin Moore is there to help and assist as well. Very good performance again from him with the double-double. Villanova going to rise in the rankings a little bit with this win. Providence going to fall just a little bit, not by much. I think they'll be just outside the top 10. I wouldn't be surprised if they make their way back into the top 10. Houston is a team that was ranked sixth in the country before a couple of losses to SMU and then to Memphis. Memphis is a team, again, that is at 15-8 and eight on the season. They're making a push for the NCAA tournament right now. I was very confident early in the season about this team when they were ranked number six in the nation. I remember early in the year, they blew out Alabama. And after that game, everyone was saying, hey, this team could go win a national championship. And even Sean Miller, the ex-Arizona coach, said, I wouldn't be surprised if they ran the table. 
through the rest of the regular season. Well, anything but that happened. They took some bad losses in conference play to even Tulane. This Memphis team has underachieved this season. With Penny Hardaway, we've seen his teams typically flounder, typically kind of crumble under that pressure. They're playing without Imoni Bates right now, who's a high-level, hyped freshman recruit. He came in with Jalen Duren, both reclassed from 2022. Duren's been the real deal, double-doubles nightly. He's been one of the best players for Memphis. He's been one of the best players in the entire country at his position. But Imoni Bates, he's averaging 10 points a game on the season, but he's battling some injuries, and there's been a lot of speculation that he will not even come back from Memphis. His dad, Elgin, said, no, he is coming back. When he gets healthy, he does plan on playing. But if we know one thing about Imoni Bates and his situation, going back to high school and now in college, he's always been a wild card. You, you never know what he's going to do, and you can't really speculate much about it. So look at Memphis as a team to watch. If they get Imoni Bates back, definitely watch out. They can be a threat. Villanova with a good win there against Providence. Tennessee with a great win there against number four, Kentucky. Top five win, now 19-6 and overall, 14-0 and at home. One of the best home teams in the entire country. They're only 4-4 four and four on the road and 1-2 and at neutral sites. Their resume is a little bit tricky because they're 5-6 and six against quad one teams. Their best win is against Arizona back on December 22nd, 77-73. They have a net ranking of number 9, so that really does them well. But they're undefeated against quad 2, quad 3, and quad 4. And you don't really hold, especially quad 3 and 4 wins, with as much weight. So against quad 1, they're up and down. They've been suspect. But that's a huge, huge win for that squad as well. Tons of great games in NCAA men's basketball. Going over to NCAA women's basketball in our top five games here, we go back to Friday, February 11th, where 10th-ranked UConn was coming off a loss against Villanova. Remember last week, we talked about the Huskies struggling offensively, struggling to find that identity without Paige Beckers, without Caroline Ducharme. AZ Fudd really was the player that had to lead the way for them and really had to carry most of that offensive load along with Kristen Williams. Going over to Friday, they took on a DePaul team that we really felt if they played at the top of their game, if they played their A game, they could get this win, that they could upset UConn. Well, the complete opposite of that happened. Number 10 UConn, 84-60. Dominant statement win there against DePaul. Leading the Huskies was Dorka Uhaz. She had 22 points and 8 rebounds. Kristen Williams had 20. Aaliyah Edwards had arguably her best game of the season with 19 points. Avina Westbrook was also in double figures with 10. For DePaul, Anissa Morrow had 20 points and 16 rebounds, her usual double-double. UConn in this game assisted on 20 of 36 made field goals. They had the rebounding edge 47-37, and they only turned it over nine times. Complete performance, really great game from them. They took that momentum into Sunday, February 13th, where they played Marquette on the road, another good Big East team that we felt could give them a push, and Marquette was pushing them. They were neck and neck with UConn there after three quarters, but UConn in the fourth used a huge surge to win 72-58. to AZ Fudd had 24 points to lead UConn, Dorky Juhas had 21, Avina Westbrook had 15, Kristen Williams had 10 as well. In double figures for Marquette were Lisa Carlin with 15, Jordan King had 14 as well. Big stat here for UConn in this game was 10 of 20 shooting from the three-point line. Much like we saw in the Villanova loss and in the Tennessee win, great shooting from three. They bounced back from that DePaul game where they really struggled from three. Shot it really, really well there against Marquette. Again, 10 of 20 to get that win. Going over to Monday, February 14th, this is where our last three games in our top five come from. We had Nebraska get a huge upset win against fifth-ranked Indiana, 72-55. Sam Habe and Jazz Shelley had 14 points for the Cornhuskers. Allison Widener had 11. Alexis Markowski and Isabel Bourne had 10 as well. The really big key in this game for Nebraska was a 16-8 second quarter and a 20-8 fourth quarter. That really propelled them 
to the win. The first and third quarters were really tight. The second and fourth quarters were the separators. Number 13, Maryland, took down number 22, Iowa, 81-69. to Angel Reese had 25 points and 13 rebounds. Diamond Miller had 20. Chloe Bibby had 16 points and 8 rebounds as well. For Iowa, Caitlin Clark had 19 points, 6 rebounds, and 6 assists in all 40 minutes. Monica Sinano had 16. Kate Martin had 10 as well. And Texas Tech scored a huge upset win against number 15, Oklahoma, 97-87. to Vivian Gray had a game-high 35 points. Taylor Thomas had 22 points and 13 rebounds. And Lexi Hightower had 20 as well. For Oklahoma, Skylar Van had a game-high 17 points. Texas Tech, big reason they won this game was the rebounding edge, 41-32. to Other reason that they won this game was the play of Vivian Gray. 20.8 points per game she's averaging on the season. She had 35 here in this game. I think it was two or three weeks ago here on the show, we talked about Vivian Gray as a player to watch, as a dark horse candidate for Big 12 Player of the Year, as someone who could consistently put up double figures, put up big numbers for this Texas Tech team who has really struggled. They're like four or five games below 500. And they have a lot of talent on this team. They just haven't been able to put it together game in and game out. They did it here against Oklahoma. This is not an NCAA tournament team in Texas Tech. I think they have the talent to be an NCAA tournament team, but they've dug themselves such a hole now where I don't think they'll be able to get in unless they were to win the Big 12 tournament, which is going to be really difficult to do with OU, with Texas, with Baylor there at the top, Iowa State. Cyclones are ranked sixth in the country right now. So it's going to be really tough to get into the NCAA tournament. The only way would be if they get an automatic bid. For them at this point, just trying to finish the season strong, get some confidence going for the younger players on this team that will be returning. For Vivian Gray, she's going out after this season. She is a player that I think could play at the WNBA level. I don't know where she would be selected, but I think she is a player that has an opportunity to get drafted. And again, for Texas Tech, great upset win. Almost 100 points there in that game against Oklahoma. Great performance overall. Maryland getting a huge win there against Iowa. We talked a little bit about this Terrapins team last week starting to hit their strides, starting to find some consistency. This Maryland team had a 47-31 rebounding edge here in this game. Their defense was outstanding, holding Iowa to 5 of 20 from the three-point line, just 25%. They're 7th in the country in scoring offense. So when they can put defensive performances like this together, and you couple that with their offensive prowess, in 7th in the nation in scoring, this is a team that can make a push. This team has been notorious for going out early in the NCAA tournament and underachieving every single year with some of the most talent in the nation. But they got Angel Reese. They got Chloe Bibby on the inside. Diamond Miller is a very versatile player for them. And another voice in that locker room outside of their head coach, Brenda Fries, who does a great job leading this team, is Zoe Young. Zoe Young was part of a vaunted 2019 recruiting class for Maryland, battled injuries throughout the first couple of years of her career, decided to hang it up and retire. Retired after last season. She's now a student assistant for them. She has a very big voice in that locker room from an advisory standpoint, from kind of a coaching type of role. She's kind of moving into that now. And Maryland is very lucky to have her. She's a young voice, someone that can play scout team a little bit here and there. Definitely someone valuable to have in the locker room. Maryland is one of those teams that is surging right now, that has struggled early in the season, starting to get things going yet again. Same thing with the UConn Huskies. Pair of wins against DePaul and Marquette. 84-60 went over the Blue Demons. Dorky Yuhas and Aaliyah Edwards finally showed that consistency. They finally showed that cohesion on the inside together. 22-8 for Yuhas. Edwards had 19. Williams and Westbrook combined for another 30. These are the type of performances that will allow UConn to win games, even without Paige Beckers, without Caroline Ducharme, who should be back coming up for their next couple of games. And the win against Marquette, really, really great performance there as well. 
A.Z. Fudd, who was quiet against DePaul, came out, had a really great game here against the Golden Eagles, 24 points. Dorky Uhas 21, Avina Westbrook 15, Kristen Williams with 10. Balanced scoring effort yet again in the last two games here. Uhas has played really well. And three out of the last four games, Fudd has played outstanding. 25 against Tennessee, 25 against Villanova. Uhas the last two games has played outstanding, 22 and 21 point performances. And AZ Fudd got back there against Marquette. She's become UConn's most critical player. She's become UConn's most important player. Because with her play, she gives them an emerging three-point threat. They're shooting the ball much better from behind the arc because AZ Fudd is in there. She is their number one option at this point. Even over Avina Westbrook, over Kristen Williams. She is their biggest threat from behind the three-point line with Ducharme out. When they get Ducharme back and when they get Paige back, you have those three playing as a trio. I don't know how teams are really going to shut that down because Caroline can play inside and outside. We know what Paige can do. We'll see how sharp she is coming back. And then AZ Fudd has that ability to shoot on the outside and cut without the basketball, move without the basketball. That's what makes her so hard to stop is not only she shoots it at an elite level, but she moves and cuts at an elite level also. So look at UConn as a team to watch. And we don't usually say that about UConn. Like, yeah, UConn's a team to watch. UConn is a team you got to keep your eye on as surging and as emerging towards the end of the season here. If they can continue to find this offensive consistency, the schedule from here on out is super winnable. All Big East games against inferior opponents. The DePaul and Marquette games are out of the way. They swept both teams. And now you got the Xavier's, the Georgetown's, the St. John's, the Providence teams of the world coming in against this UConn squad. So definitely look for UConn to finish the season with some W's going into the Big East tournament and then maybe look for Paige Beckers to come back and uh, try to get acclimated yet again and uh, try to play well for this team going into the NCAA tournament. So again, you have UConn, Maryland, Texas Tech, and Nebraska all scoring big wins there over the last week. That'll wrap up our men's and women's college basketball segment with our top five games of the week. And that'll wrap up episode 16 of College Sports Today. As always, we want to give a special thanks to everyone at Lenoran University, the School of Journalism and Mass Communication, and to WLRZ 99.3 FM. This is Hamilton Neal signing off. I'll see you on the next episode. We'll leave you, as always, with Don't Stress Out by the Prams. Enjoy the rest of your day. Have a great weekend. Good night, everybody.